All right, here we are now with the next installment in our series, which is a commentary on the book Glimpses of a Golden Childhood by Osho. And in this part, I just thought we would talk a little bit about sensing Osho's state. And this is probably most clearly illustrated in this book by the fact that Osho slept 12 hours a day. And when he's talking about this, you really start to get a sense of what his state was like. So, he says he sleeps 12 hours a day, but he says that, well, the quality of the sleep is very different to what you would normally expect. When you have higher meditative awareness, you actually don't sleep. You actually maintain your alert awareness while your body sleeps. There's something that is still conscious while you become unconscious in that sort of sleep state unconscious type. So he says that when he's asleep, he can actually sense when someone's come into the room. He can sense when something's going on. And he also says that he doesn't dream. So dreams are a component of our mind, our memories, our imaginations, our desires, our part of the brain that just does that. And he says, well, he doesn't have that for whatever reason. He doesn't need it or he doesn't use it or it just doesn't happen because there's some other state that occurs within his brain, which means that that function doesn't function in the normal sense. So his clear sleep, his open sleep, his aware sleep, almost like we could say conscious sleep, that is very different to the sleep that you and I have as common peasants. And a lot of the time he would just be in his room. I think at this stage of his life he was just spending a lot of time in his room meditating. So basically this was a very, like Osho had this as a, a part of his routine, particularly towards the end of his life, which was that he would have his discourse, which would be once or twice a day, and then he'd have his sleep, which was 12 hours a day, and then he would have his time in his room by himself for meditation. So so that doesn't leave much time <laughs> for the rest of the day, right? So he's basically he's basically just sitting in a room doing nothing and then coming out and doing the discourse and then going back and he's doing that every day and of course he would meet with people right sometimes he would have meetings about what's going on with the institution and the plans and different things and at certain periods in his life well then there would be lots of meetings and lots of things to organize but otherwise there was a lot of time when Osho would just be doing nothing and if you sort of if you look at footage of him and I mean, this also comes back to what we said in one of the first parts in this 
series, which was that he's the most spaced out guy, right? That that image of him sitting in the dentist chair and, and just holding on and really only staying alive because he's holding on. And that kind of spaced out other sort of altered state image is sort of part of this. But if you look at footage of him speaking, which is close up to his face, some of the time he's really very clearly in an altered state, right? The way his eyes look, the way his stillness is, right? There's a very deep stillness to him. Sometimes he would go a long time without blinking, without really even moving at all. And he doesn't he doesn't scratch his nose, he doesn't pick his nose, he doesn't scratch his ears, he doesn't have big hand gestures or anything like that. And it, it's hard to sense just by looking at someone what exactly is happening, but at least by looking at the footage, you can see something is going on. Something is happening that is different. Now, sometimes the footage is very obvious. Sometimes he does just look normal. It depends on, well, when when the film was made and when he was. And some of the time, it's really much... It, it's almost like... For me, it's almost like someone who's on drugs. Like, if you take LSD, then you get a certain look in your face. And it's not entirely like that, because the... <laughs> The zombie face, we might call it, of LSD or any other sort of psychedelic drug is th- there's a darkness to it, right? There's a sort of openness with darkness. But with Osho, it's like <laughs> it's like he's got the openness and the sort of stoned side of it, but without the darkness. And many people do really look at the eyes and say, wow, look at those eyes, look at that face. There's something about it. And for him, I mean, well, he's an enlightened master, so he is in some sort of altered state. And I mean, for us, common peasants, I mean, we have like normal consciousness or day-to-day consciousness, which we might call our baseline, And then we have different states which we can put into different levels and different qualities. And then we can differentiate our phenomenology like, well, we've got feeling and emotion and bodily sensation and the mind and the different components of the mind and perception. And then there's the different ways in which we can work with each of those things within our phenomenology and there's different ways in which we can go into emotion and different states and we can have different qualities of states and also different intensities of states right because we we can we can do psychedelic drugs we can have altered altered states that are chemically induced and we can do spiritual practices that induce altered states without chemicals without the use of drugs And all the rest of it. And it's like, okay, so we study all this and we do mindset and we do psychology. And it's like, okay, but but all of that, all of that is just us as an individual doing personal development. That's really all it comes down to. And that is very different to an enlightened master. An enlightened master doesn't really do personal development in that way. 
They really just go for it. They just do it themselves. They just be it. And they achieve it and go further than anything that we could do just by their own means and their own ways. This is why, and this explains why, all the enlightened masters or the teachers like Guru, I mean, I I don't want to say like Osho, but this is why Osho created his own techniques, right? This is why he developed techniques of his own. It's because he went that way himself and then was like, okay, so how do we as the common peasants make that journey, make that trip? And it is quite hard to qualify different flavors of consciousness. To go into the different flavors of peak experiences and altered states and even personality comes into it, right? Your personality does affect the sort of states that you have and the sort of ways in which you experience things, right? So to qualify it, it's really... I mean, at at a certain point, you do say, okay, well, Osho's got his trip and that's him and I've got my life and that's me and someone else has their life and that's them, right? At, At a certain point, you do arrive at that level, at that kind of understanding and it takes a lot to get there because there is so much pain, there is so much suffering, right? That is a... That is a very mature and late-stage development realization to have, to to recognize and just accept the individual flavors of people and their own consciousness and to just accept it and to live with that and be okay with that and to be able to sense it as well, right, which is a whole other game unto itself. Well, that, that's very, like, all of this is very late-stage development. This is mature development. For us as beginners, us as very young, new to the game, just learning about meditation, just learning about these first steps on the path, well, we've got a lot to learn. We've got a lot of legway to make. We've got work to do. We've got development to do. We've got conditioning to undo. We've got skills to develop. We've got things to align, right? Aligning the body, aligning your motivations, cleaning up the mind, sorting out your neuroses, right? The the list is so long as to how much stuff we have to do to get to those later mature stages. So don't think that Osho takes the approach that we take. Don't think that it was that, oh, he did a whole bunch of spiritual practice and then became an enlightened master. (laughs) Not at all, right? He didn't really even ever, he didn't even ever really do formal meditation, right? But But that's because he was meditating, right? It's almost like to say, well, did Osho meditate? Not really, right? It's not like he went and did a 10-day Vipassana retreat. (laughs) But on a whole nother level, he did meditate more than anyone, right? His whole life was meditation. It was almost like he was always meditating. He was always on the spiritual path in every way. 
So that's a little bit about what we can sort of almost possibly maybe surmise from just looking at Osho and just sort of seeing what his routine is. And I mean, there's some photos in the book and he's sort of, you know, he's washing his beard. He's drinking a cup of tea, sitting in a garden. He's eating his breakfast. He's drinking some water. He's combing his hair. He doesn't have much hair on the head. He's a bit bald, isn't he? He's sleeping. He's sitting in a chair reading. Where's the one of the newspaper? There's one of him sitting in the chair reading the newspaper, which is really good, this one. If you're watching this on video, I'll hold it up to the camera. But if you're listening on podcast, you won't be able to see it, obviously. So that's a good shot of him on the chair. And I mean, if you're listening on podcast, you can just go across to the YouTube channel to check this out. Here's some more. So if you look at these, I mean, he's just a normal person in so many ways. But then also, if you have this sense of like, what what is going on behind these eyes? Right? This is actually one of the things you learn when you start to see for yourself. It's that you can, you can look at someone and see, ha, huh, mate, the lights aren't on. Do you even know what is happening? And you've got no clue and it's really obvious. And then other times you can look at someone and you think, whoa, there really is some magic behind behind those eyes. There's really something deep in those eyes. You can really see it. Now now you can't you, you can't see everyone. For for at any stage you're at. There's a number of people where you can see that the lights aren't on, a number of people where you can see that the lights are on, and then the vast majority where you can't tell. So sometimes you can tell if the lights are on or not, and the majority of the time you can't tell, you can't really know. And... Another thing I should say is when we're talking about developing ourselves and working on this stuff and sort of, in a strange sort of way, aspiring to a higher consciousness, it is very important to do these practices and it is possible to achieve these higher states and these maturities through spiritual practice. So I've met people who have done Osho's techniques and meditative awareness techniques in general for 30, 40, 50 years plus, and they have extraordinary abilities of vision and being and awareness. Like I, I've I've met some absolutely astronomical people who who I admire just as much as Osho or really in some ways more than Osho. Like I have a deeper connection with these people and 
Yeah, that that is a, a truly extraordinary thing to see in someone. To to actually meet someone and to have the ability to see that something extraordinary is inside them. That is precious. That is beautiful. That is an amazing thing. And it is possible that you go your whole life without realizing that, without discovering that. So many people do go through their lives thinking, oh, people are just what people are. People are just, well, what you see, what they say, what they do, what they tell you, what you think about them, right? All all of this is just like chicken feed. It's chicken feed compared to realizing the grandeur, the glory, the absolute beauty that warrants so much celebration. It warrants so much celebration. To see the glory in someone, to see the awareness, the highest heights in someone, that is really what life is all about. That really is one of the most extraordinary things that you can do. And it's an incredible gift to have that moment, to hold that moment, to have it as a part of your story. So that's a little bit about (laughs) Osho's sleeping habit or his state, his general state. So I think that's probably enough for this segment. And what we'll do is we will head on over into the next part and that will be the final part in the series. So it's been quite a series so far and make sure you check out that last episode. That will be an interesting one. And that's all we have to say for now.